What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about commitment and what being committed during every shot looks like. But first, uh, obviously, um, there's something that's on everybody's mind right now, and if you're listening to this in uh, months from now or even years from now, you'll probably still know what I'm talking about. Um, obviously, uh, it's the coronavirus and the spread of the virus and um, just the magnitude of what's going on. And I promise I'll move on um, right after because some people, myself included, want to find ways to get their mind off of the pandemic and enjoy the things that we still can. Um, so I just wanted to say a few things as it kind of relates to to my personal life and and me and my wife. And um, so as as some of you know, whether you know me personally or uh, from listening to to me on the podcast or following me on social, my wife works in the NICU in the hospital. And the NICU is um, like a lot of premature babies and uh, really sick babies that are, you know, born in the hospital and moved straight to there because they're they were not healthy once they were born. So uh, generally, the NICU itself is a really it's a self-contained thing that doesn't have a lot of sickness problems, but um, we're having to be as educated and informed as possible because my wife can't risk bringing in uh, the virus into the hospital and and in infecting babies and let alone all the other nurses that she works with. So we've had to really inform ourselves and we're not special, like everyone should be informed, but we've, we've read and watched as much, much as possible about how the virus spreads what the symptoms are, how we can stop it, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, we're not special. We just, uh, we've just really uh, dove in to the deep end on on the information, and um, it's it's scary a little bit. But I heard I heard a good thing from someone on another podcast. Actually, someone said fear is not inherently a bad thing. Fear can. Um, motivate you to action it can it can get you to do good things like when you're scared of a uh, of a snake or something fear in that moment is good because it it helps you um, it motivates you to action to get away from the snake or whatever so fear is not inherently bad fear uh, can be uh, with with good knowledge fear can can help you so we're trying to give ourselves a healthy amount of fear. I know that sounds weird. It seems like any amount of fear is unhealthy, but um, we've tried to we tried to do that for ourselves so that we can do our part. Um, so it's super inconvenient the things that we that we have to do, and my wife and I have chosen to do and kind of go to an extreme um, just to do our part. You know, staying at home. Um, when we've gone to the grocery store or, or whatever, or gas or whatever, staying six feet away from people, um, or when we've gone to work, um, my wife's work's still going. Obviously, she can't take time off from helping babies in the NICU. 
Um, and, and my work is still going. I, you know, I, if you, if you follow me closely, I, I work with my parents on some of the things they do. Um, I work for my, uh, aunt's catering company and that has kind of come to a halt catering events. But, uh, a lot of things I do on the, uh, for, for work are still going. Um, and my personal coaching is, uh, I've gone to remote personal coaching only. I'm not doing any face-to-face coaching. Uh, I haven't told all of my players individually that, um, most of it, most of it is implied. And, um, just this time is like, let's, let's stay away from people as much as possible. So, so the inconveniences are of staying home, staying six feet away from people, seeing none of our friends or family. Um, it's been, you know, probably 10 days since we saw any friends or family. So that's, that's a major inconvenience and a, and a big change for us. Um, but my wife and I feel we have a responsibility to encourage everyone to kind of urge everyone of how important this is. And, and the only way to stop it or the best way to stop it is for now, uh, is to socially isolate and to stay away from people as much as possible. So this, this podcast has a small audience, uh, compared to other podcasts, it's it's a large audience compared to where I was, um, you know, last year this time. I don't even know if I had started the podcast. I'm not really sure. I, I don't think so. But I know even as a small audience, we can help. We, everyone that's listening to this can do their part because if everyone listening to this didn't do their part, it could lead to more spread of the virus. So uh, it's an unpopular opinion. Uh, of the people around me, of just totally socially isolating. That's not fun. That's not convenient. But I think it's our responsibility. Um, and that's that's really all I had to say about that. I don't, yeah, I'm, um, there's so much information you can go out and find and, you know, really uh, kind of drown in. Uh, so you're welcome to do that if you want. But as far as me, uh, having kind of a platform to, to speak to some people, that's, that's what I have to say is just try to ride the storm, um, by isolating yourselves as much as possible right now. And, and maybe it'll end sooner than we, uh, than we expect. So that's the goal. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, uh, we'll move on to, uh, today's topic. Uh, now that I've got that out of the way, Let's dive into it. So staying committed no matter what. Uh, that's that's the topic I want to talk about today. Um, I've I've been reading a a Bob Rotella book and and if you've been listening lately, I I've I've talked a lot about the Rotella books I've been reading. He's Obviously, the the first name that comes to mind when you think about golf, sports psychology, mental coaching, is Bob Rotella. So I've been kind of turning through some of his books and some really really good stuff, um, and some really good common sense stuff that just makes sense. So uh, reading this section uh, kind of jogged my mind to talk about commitment 
and process and those kind of things. Um, so as I see it, a process, that term is used a million times, uh, but on a shot-by-shot basis, what do I see as the process or the routine? Another word for a shot process is a shot routine. And um, I think a good pre-shot routine or a good shot process uh, has four parts to it. The first part is picking a specific target. The second part is trust, and that's trusting your game, trusting in your ability to pull off the shot. The third part of the process is allowing yourself to not think, and that sounds much easier than it is, uh, but it's an essential part of it. And the fourth part of the process is acceptance, and in my opinion, maybe the most important part of the process. and and over future podcasts, I would love to get into each part of that process. But today I want to just talk about commitment. And I know commitment's not one of those parts of the process uh, explicitly, but commitment is is kind of the the glue that holds all of these together. Commitment, um, you know, committing to a target. You know, you've got to pick a specific target, but you have to commit to it. You have to trust in your own game, but you have to, it's a commitment to your own game. Trust and commitment are kind of uh, synonymous in that in that way. Um, allowing yourself to not think, you've got to commit to focusing. Uh, so even, even taking yourself away from overthinking is a commitment to focusing. And then acceptance is just a total unrelenting commitment to moving on uh, regardless of the result. So each part of the process uh, requires commitment. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into this, this section of this, uh, of this book, the Rotella book, How Champions Think. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just dive right in and start reading it. Um, listen closely because it's um, it's a few paragraphs or maybe two long paragraphs, um, but it's just an awesome example of what this uh, of what this player he's talking to uh, is trying to learn. Um, just as a little bit of context, right before these paragraphs, Rotella is talking to a good player who is decisive in practice rounds, but indecisive in tournaments, and therefore plays worse in tournaments. I think. All of us can relate to that, how almost all of us play better in practice rounds than in tournaments, and almost all of us wonder why. Only a few of us really know why that is, um, and what we talk about today will kind of unveil the reasoning behind that. Why do we play worse in tournaments than in practice rounds, or at your home course, or playing with your friends? Or playing by yourself. So uh, let's let's get into this section of this book. I told this young golfer that he needed to be willing to take risks. He needed to commit himself to going with his first instincts when he picked a club, select a target, or read a putt. That first instinct is the product of the subconscious brain, and he had honed his subconscious perception over thousands of practice shots and rounds of golf. So that subconscious 
to step away from the book for just a sec, uh, honing your subconscious perception over thousands of practice shots, that's that's uh, like an easy thing to just read over and and say, okay, yeah, yeah, thousands of practice shots, but how can I overhaul my brain? You know, you have to you have to still put in the time and the effort and the hard work over years to to get to where you can uh allow yourself to not think allow yourself to simply commit um allow yourself to fall into your subconscious uh, as opposed to being acting all consciously um you have to have put in the hours and the time and the practice in order to get there in the first place. But given that that's already been done, and a lot of us have done that, a lot of the people that are listening to this are high-level golfers that have spent years and years of working hard on their game, and a a good portion of the people that are listening to this are not as high-level of golfer, but have still put in tons of practice and enough good practice that they can allow themselves to not think. And they have something to commit to. Uh, you can't, I guess, committing, uh, hence the name of this podcast, wrong but committed. You can commit to the wrong thing, and being committed is is better than not being committed. But um, it helps to have honed your game over thousands of practice shots, like Rotella says. So back into the book. The first instinct of an experienced golfer I've found is usually correct. Even if it's wrong, listen up, even if it's wrong, swinging decisively with a clear mind will almost always turn out better than swinging with a mind cluttered by conscious thoughts. Yes, it was possible he would ignore some factor if he went with his first instincts. Yes, it was possible he'd hit through a fairway or reach a bunker if he went with his driver. Yes, it was possible he'd pick the wrong club for his approach to the green and wind up in a bunker. But so what? He knew how to hit from the rough in the sand, and any round of golf is going to contain at least a few errors. The risks, this is this is kind of the key of this whole section, the risks of playing with his first judgments were manageable. The benefits were enormous. So in other words, uh... The risks of playing with his first judgments were manageable. So you take risks by saying, I am laser committed to this specific target. Uh, and it might be the wrong target, but I will not second guess myself. By, by laser committing to this target, by fully trusting in my ability to hit it to that target, you can allow yourself to not think. Second guessing is the way to remove yourself from your subconscious. And um, second guessing is how is how you lose that commitment. It's how you start to doubt yourself. It's how you it's how you make bad swings because you don't fully commit. So let's get back to the book. My advice didn't lead to an overnight change. That's obviously a huge pillar to everything I've ever said, none of this is an overnight change. None of this is a quick fix. And that is 
a hard pill to swallow for some people and and kind of it's hard for me in some ways to I can't just hand you a bottle of uh, a potion that you can just drink and all your all your woes are gone. It's these things just like the thousands of shots in practice that are a prerequisite for a lot of these things uh working on uh playing with your first judgments going with your first instinct that's not an overnight change that's something you got to do every day and it still will take time so my advice didn't lead to an overnight change like most things the way a player thinks on a golf course is in part a question of habit my client had to spend time developing better thinking habits he had to learn to quiet his conscious brain and not think when he was nervous he had to shut the conscious brain down and let the subconscious system take over. But he did, and the changes paid off. He started to win tournaments. So it's easy to read that and say, oh, he started to win tournaments? I'm just going to do that. And okay, here's a formula. I'm just going to do it, and I'll start winning tournaments. But you forget the sentence five sentences ago that says, my advice didn't lead to an overnight change. It's it's a long-term thing that you that you have to make a daily habit. So I guess the the whole summarization of this, the whole summary of this section is not second guessing. Uh second guessing is how you bring yourself back up from the subconscious. So the subconscious, just a few quick words about it, some people call that the zone or getting out of your own way. Um, it's really, it's just allowing yourself to not think. It's to fully trust yourself. It's to let go. It's to uh, pick a target, fully commit to it. Um, it's, it's to have practiced and fully trust your own game. It's to... Uh, it's to commit to focusing. It's to allow yourself to not think. It's to, it's to just let your mind kind of um, just uh, go blank and just just hit the ball. Like uh, see a target, hit to it. Or like a like a basketball player or a football player, they just see what they want to do and do it. They don't have time to think. So golf is tough because you have time to think. You have time to second guess. Uh, in a football game, there's uh, a, a def defensive player coming at you. You don't have time to think. You just react based on your training. So in golf, you have to, in order to be an athletic player, in order to be, quote, in the zone, uh, in order to let your subconscious take over, you have to allow yourself to just react to your first instinct, to your target. And second-guessing is the primary way to, to overthink, to uh, doubt yourself, to bring the conscious mind back into it, uh, to take yourself out of the zone, uh, to get in your own way. That's second-guessing. That's saying, um, right before this, this section in this book, it's it's an example that the player talks about of when he's in his when he's at home at his home course in a practice round he gets 
He shoots his laser at the flag. It's 155. He says, that's a full nine iron. It pulls his club out and hits it. And it's a good one because he's he's uh, he goes through his process. Whether he's thinking about it or not, he goes through his pro- process of picking a specific target, trusting in his ability to do it, allowing himself to not think. He, he doesn't even have to think about not thinking. He just He's just reacting. And then he accepts the result. And even if... Even if it was a bad shot, he could probably accept the result because he's just at a practice round. But now all of a sudden, he tells the example of being in a tournament. And he shoots uh, with his laser, 155. And then he starts thinking, okay, uh, 155, that would normally be just a good full 9-iron. But okay, what's the wind doing? Uh, Caddy, can you throw up some grass? Uh, See what the wind's doing. Oh, okay, it blew into your face. Um okay, wait, you didn't quite throw that grass high enough. Can you throw it a little higher and really get it up there where the wind's blowing um, and the grass falls just a little into your face? So, oh man, it might be playing more like 157. So uh, is that an is that a strong nine or an easy eight? Uh, it's a little downhill. Uh, so, so what is that? That might take off a couple yards. So, okay, back to 155. Um, okay, the lie, it's a little into the grain. And you can see he's he's second guessing his his first instinct. His first instinct works every time in a practice round. And and in a in a tournament, uh the second guessing comes up because you you want to do it perfectly. You're you're like, okay, this is a tournament, I have to do this well. But you can see uh the part in this passage that I read to you where the second guessing is bringing in that perfectionism and it's bringing in uh where where you start to uh you start to kind of clutter your mind uh by conscious thoughts you start to um bring in that uh that risk of uh so i guess what i'm trying to say is by by just going with your first instinct, yes, you're taking a risk that you will leave it short with your with your comfortable nine iron, or you will hit it too long with your comfortable nine iron. But chances are, when you make that committed decision, you will make a better swing because you'll got you'll will have gone through your process. You'll have checked all the boxes of a good process of you picked a specific target, you trusted in your ability. You allowed yourself to not think. You you let your mind work and react as in its subconscious. And then you accept the results. And and all of these parts of the process kind of feed off each other. And and when they're strung together, it's like you're in the zone. It's like it's it's how you can get out of your own way. It's how you can make your best swing every single time. So so all that to say, commitment equals subconscious. So what do I mean by that? Commitment, when you can fully commit to each part of the process, when you can fully commit to your target, you never second-guess yourself. You uh, you keep your brain in subconscious. You keep your brain in an athletic posture of just reacting. And by staying in that subconscious, you swing more confidently. It's That is a simple formula. Uh, putting that into habit is the long-term process, but 
eventually, after making that a habit of going through this same good process every time, it it becomes a habit, and it does eventually lead to lower scores and winning tournaments. Uh, but the what gets in our way again is most of us try to be perfectionistic. Most most of us try to do it perfectly during a tournament because this is high stakes. I have to do this well. I have to be as good as my playing partners. I have to win this tournament. I have to I have to be at the best of my game, the best of my abilities to win this tournament. So I can't overlook any any little detail. And and that's because we see other things in life like studying for a test or um a doctor working on it you know as a surgeon um a car mechanic we want we want all these things those things do need to be conscious they do need to you do need to look at all the details and take everything into account and do it as well as possible but even those even in those things studying for a test a surgeon performing surgery or a, a car mechanic working on your car even in those things they take in all the information but then they let that information go and just react and and the ones that do those things at high levels don't regularly pull out the book and say okay uh, do i make this incision here or uh, someone that's studying that's taking a test uh, someone that's taking a test that has studied all the details, they can't take out their notes and look back at it. They just have to react to what they know. So all of these all of these things make us think with golf, I need to have all these details in my mind. I need to do it perfectly. But really, you've done that homework over your thousands of practice shots, over your hundreds of rounds of golf over the last, you know, five, ten years or whatever it is. And you have that subconscious ability. You just have to allow yourself to do it. And that is simply uh, allowing yourself to be wrong, allowing yourself to do something wrong, but being fully committed to it. And therefore, you're going to make better swings. This is how you can get in the zone. This is how you can get out of your own way. This is how you can allow yourself to not think. And how and not thinking allows your body to do what it's been trained to do and that's to swing freely and comfortably so a player in the zone doesn't second guess so so how can you do this what do you have to do to make this part of your game and i think it just means altering your routine most people's routines are thinking about the wrong things most people think about mechanical thoughts um most think most people think about past shots and bad things they've done earlier in the round or or maybe on this hole uh, on a different day and and they they have this whole heavy bag of luggage that they that they carry around with them that leads to um bad thinking during the routine so you have to replace the past thinking or the mechanical thoughts with the right process of thoughts you got to simply pick a specific target and and Within these things, they they seem they can be different for different players. Some some players pick a specific target by picking something three feet out ahead of their ball. Some some players pick the right edge of a bunker out in the fairway or the right half of a bunker. But I think the more specific, the better. Um, you may have heard the phrase "aim small, miss small," but um, 
I, I like as specific a target as possible. So simply picking a specific target is the first step of a good process of thoughts. The second step, trust. You have to trust in your ability. You have to trust in your preparation and your practice. You have to trust in your ability to pull the shot off, to get the ball to go to your specific target. And third step in the process is allowing yourself to not think. And that's simply as a result of committing to your specific target, as a result of committing and trusting in your game. You will naturally allow yourself to not think. But it is, at first, when you're first training yourself to do this, it is a an awareness, it's a training of allowing yourself to not think, of, of just saying, you know what, I'm going to not think, I'm just going to react. And then the fourth step of the process is acceptance. And acceptance is simply, once you hit the ball, there's nothing you can do about it. You simply have to move on. You have to be okay with wherever the ball goes. Complete indifference to the result, whether it's good or bad. Just indifference, and then you move on. And this four-part process is um, is how is what you need to alter your routine to. And then there's altering your routine, and then there's sticking to your routine, no matter the circumstances. The temptation is to stray. The te- the temptation and the crux of all of this is that when you're nervous, when you're in a tournament, when you're in a high stakes situation, the temptation is to stray. It's to bring in more details, it's to second guess, it's to try to be perfectionistic. So resisting that temptation on a shot-by-shot basis is how you can make this a habit. So to make this uh, relevant to right now, because a lot of us aren't going to the golf course, and um, and I think a lot of us shouldn't be going to the golf course uh, because because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic and trying to stop the spread. Um, How can you do this at home? You know, a lot of us are spending a lot of time at home and and a lot of us want to know how we can get our games better while at home. If you, if you follow golf Twitter, you see all these, all these pros, all these kind of head golf professionals uh, teaching pros, whatever, giving you ways to work on your game while at home. Uh, well, there's ways to work on your mental game at home too. And you, I'm sure you've seen that if you follow closely enough on Twitter, you've seen countless people say, um, the mental game can be worked on at home. And that's one of the best things about the mental game is, um, you don't necessarily have to be on the course. It's usually better, but you can do this at home. So here's some here's some ways that you can work on this at home. So think through your regular routine. Imagine yourself on the first tee shot of the first hole and walk yourself through your routine and be honest. Don't embellish and don't pretend that you're doing something better than you normally do. Go through your real routine in your mind and and now compare it to the correct process of picking a specific target, trust in your ability to get it to that target, allowing yourself to not think, and then acceptance. So the first part of your routine, are you picking a specific target, or are you kind of saying, I just want to hit this fairway, or anywhere on the green? Uh, And then the second part of the process is trusting in your ability. 
Or do you start to think about mechanical thoughts or the past or uh, I haven't really practiced this shot that much, so what am I doing? Why am I trying to do this? And then allowing yourself to not think. Well, you can tell just by the first two uh, or just by the trust part of the process, are you thinking too much? Are you thinking about the past too much? Are you thinking about the future? Are you taking in too many details and second-guessing yourself? And then acceptance. Uh, imagine yourself once you hit the ball, how do you usually react? Most of us, if we're honest, myself included, once we hit and it's a bad shot, we slump our shoulders, we get bummed, we we start thinking about our mechanics and dang, I should have, I, I, I've been working on this one thing and I can tell that was, I, I came over the top and, and that's why the ball was a quick hook to the left and, um, and, and that is not acceptance, that is not indifference. While we're playing golf, while we're on, on the course, during the round, it is so important to just accept and move on and save the difficult thoughts, save the mechanics, save the technique for after the round for when you're practicing. While we're playing, you have to accept. So once you've gone through your routine and you've compared it to the good process, to the good four-part process, now it's time to remove the parts that are unproductive. So all those parts that, that were not like the good four-part process, those you have to remove. Those are unproductive. Those are keeping your mind conscious. They're, they're not allowing you to be subconscious and to be in the zone and to be getting out of your own way. So we have to remo remove those parts. And then we have to inject the good parts. So then now mentally... Uh, in your imagination, go through your routine as if you're going through the good four-part process. In your mind, pick a specific target. Think about the first tee shot of your home course or of the next tournament that you're planning on playing. Hopefully, it wasn't canceled <laughs> or, uh, or if it was postponed. Think about the first tee shot of that course. Pick a specific target on that first tee shot. Now imagine yourself trusting fully in your own ability, knowing that you can hit this shot with 100% confidence. And then allow yourself slipping into not thinking, just seeing your target and reacting to it. And then imagine yourself hitting a shot no matter the result. Maybe it goes a little offline, maybe it goes straight at it, and you completely accept the result. You're completely indifferent to where the ball went. And that that's the mental practice that you can do while you're at home, while you're sitting on your couch, while you're trying to fall asleep at night, um, while you're trying to work from home, but you're bored and distracted. So let's, let's do something productive with our minds. Um, and making that a habit, making that... Uh, a process that you start now can can change your brain and can make you a better golfer once you do get back on the course because you the the brain uh, I've heard it said I've learned that it can't tell the difference between an imaginary situation and a real life situation um, if you imagine the ball going in the hole your brain fires off all the same things that it does when you actually do in real life make a ball 
uh, roll the ball into the hole. So it's training your brain, giving yourself, giving your brain these mental images repeatedly over the next few months um, or next few weeks or a few days or whatever. How, whatever time frame you commit to this, and I think you should commit to this for the long haul, that will train your brain to think the right ways. So uh, I know you can do this, and I know you'll start playing better if you do this. And like Rotella said, it's not overnight. It's a long process. But the long journey is made up of small, consistent, habitual, good decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. If you liked it, I'd love it if you subscribed. And if you want some more, you can go to joshnicholsgolf.com. Or I would love to get in touch with you. Just send me a text, 336-399-1825. All right, catch you next time.